This is the Physical Activity Researcher Podcast, a podcast for researchers of sedentary behavior, physical activity, and sports. Join for a relaxed dialogue about research design, practicalities, and, well, anything related to research. Learn from your fellow researchers useful and relevant information that does not fit into formal content and limited space of scientific publications. And here is your host, researcher and entrepreneur, Oli Tikkanen. Welcome, everyone. In this podcast episode, we are going to talk about how to manage time effectively as a researcher and how is it to form a spin-off company from research findings. As a guest, we have a researcher extraordinaire. After finishing his PhD related to sedentary behavior in the end of 2016 with four highly applauded publications, he became first a research manager and then the director of Active Life Lab in southeastern Finland, University of Applied Sciences. He has received seven grants, totaling over 1.3 million euros, and has published 36 papers with over 2,000 citations. At the same time, while working full-time, he has also worked as an entrepreneur and chief scientific officer at Fibion Inc., Ladies and gentlemen, please welcome our guest, Dr. Arto Pesola. Welcome, Arto, and thank you for taking time for this podcast. Thanks a lot, Ole. Pleasure to be here. Yeah, so should we start about your your interesting professional journey? How did you end up to this point? Well, you described pretty well my, my journey journey already, so... Well, my career is not very long, so <laughs> yet. So I finished my PhD in the end of 2016, and and I did my master's thesis. Uh, it was in 2011, 2012, around that time. And at that time, I I started to get interested in in this research. Well, let's say I did like five year five years. Uh, bachelor and master studies in total and four years of that I had no idea what to do in the future and I, I even wasn't very interested in this field I thought that what's the value in here w- what can I do uh, but then during the fifth year I got very interested in uh, I got into the science so to say I, I got an idea what what is research, what, what are different research setups, and what kind of problems you can solve with research. And when doing my master's thesis, I got even more excited about, about this. And then it was very easy to continue in the, in the PhD. And the PhD t- took five, five and a half years. And after that, my, my former colleague, told me about this this position in in active life lab and and I started as a project manager and then now now I'm the director of this lab so and I have been working in this position for four years now after my PhD so I really don't have a lot of experience from working life but getting there yeah so that's actually interesting I haven't heard I know Arto pretty well we have been colleagues for a, for a long time, and I've been even living in the. Arto has kind of two houses or two buildings. I've been living in his 
his neighbor as his neighbor in the same same yard for for over a year so i know him him pretty well so you said that you you were not that interested in science and you just got excited in the in the last year of your studies did you have any plans you were you were playing ice hockey when you were younger and did you think that you would become a coach or some kind of exercise physiologist for a team or what was your idea yeah that's a good point i really didn't know i i was doing work with personal trainers giving some some lectures for them and somehow my my idea of this well-being field was very limited uh i, I thought I, somehow I, i think i thought that it's it's mainly about coaching and and this kind of uh physical well-being and and i didn't have too much knowledge of say corporate wellness or uh not to talk about like more broad well-being programs or healthcare or or things like that and and after kind of entering the science zone so to say when starting to read the papers about prevention and the importance of of countermeasures for these diseases I, I got the idea of, or got excited about the importance of of our work, and before that, it was mainly playing ice hockey and and lifting weights, and <laughs> so the meaning, like like the core meaning. Well, of course, that's a different story. Of course, it's uh, sport and and physical activity is important of itself, but but for the society and for the public, like there are so many big things that we can promote with our work. Somehow I, I got a better idea of those, and I must also say to the listener, listeners that this whole thing started from Olli's PhD project. So I, I did my master's thesis to your your PhD project, which is which was about daily muscle inactivity, and that's where I got very interested in the sedentary behavior field. One thing there was that this was also a new approach to physical activity, this sedentary behavior, because people and researchers were not talking only about purposeful f- physical activity or exercise. So we were talking about conscious and also unconscious physical activities throughout the day, uh, which which are very very achievable for everyone, and at t- that time and and still they seem to be pretty effective for for prevention also so uh this kind of i i got very interested in that in this kind of new perspective on on physically active lifestyle so that was also one thing yeah maybe maybe i can tell a little bit background story here that i was doing my phd as as a part-time part-time work i was working as a product manager for a for a company who was doing mainly EMG devices. So I didn't have too much time to put to my PhD. So my strategy was to find other talented people to recruit into our project. So part of my my work was uh, drinking coffee in the cafe of the university. And then I, I started chatting with people who, who who were there. I didn't even know. I think I didn't know you. I just started talking and then I... I introduced our idea. I asked, like, "Have you done your masters already?" and and then I got him interested, and we got the really brilliant 
person to work in our project and then it started from there so maybe maybe a tip for a phd that you can also just try to find great people to your team and they will they will help you that's true and and i'm not angry at all for you because it was a very good decision starting to work for your project and even though you were using the young <laughs> young students for you to to help in your phd but that's how you do it and and that's the right thing to do and and you you also got me inter- interested in this topic it was maybe two hours coffee break or lunch break one time i i remember that so so we we had very good discussions and and getting the idea and perspective perspective from a more senior researcher well you were also youngster at that that time but but anyway you're very beginner yeah yeah but still a couple of years ahead of me which is a very uh long period in in that part of your your career and i i think the main point was trying to find incentives for you and for others that how would you benefit what would you what would be your advantage coming to our project? And that was basically that we had a really good data set that you could get. If you if you'd make a project by yourself, you would need to collect all the data. So I was trying to kind of find always a win-win situation. And I think with four different persons, we were able to find a win-win and we had actually a really good good team in our our research project that way. Yeah, you had you had an innovative idea to measure actually muscle activity during during twenty four hours. You already had data, and then there was new literature coming all the time about the sedentary behavior uh, field. So I, I think it was pretty easy easy for me to enter this field, and I was I was very excited. Mm. The innovative idea, I think it was uh, Professor Taya Finni and Professor Keijo Häkkinen who got the idea, but I was, I was following. So all, all credits to credits to them. But if we move on to your, you are now working in an applied university versus like a university as such. And maybe to our listeners in Finland, applied universities are quite different. They don't do that much research, at least traditionally. And they put much more effort into teaching, uh, teaching and kind of, yeah, maybe you can tell more about differences, but how is it different in relation to research and funding and working there, applied university versus university? Yeah, I was, uh, when starting in my work in, in applied university, I was, first I was very kind of skeptical and, and it's a pretty typical case when you have been working in academia. It, well, I'm still working in academia, but but say basic more basic research. You you need to play with very strictly with those rules and and um, kind of the academic with the rules of academic world. In in University of Applied Sciences, of course we <laughs> we play with the same rules, but but. We think about the implementation much more, and and we prepare the projects with with companies. We have like ongoing debate with the healthcare, like the lo- local healthcare, all the time. For example, uh, my lab does a lot of 
collaboration with the local uh, preventing the healthcare, where we try to prevent type two diabetic case diabetic cases in in South Savonia, and we do ongoing uh, data collection from these people. It's it's not a very kind of it's very applied research setup. It's not controlled trial, but but it's like an ecological data collection. But anyway, we 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 get really good evidence all the time, and then we modify uh, the prevention and counseling process when we get the data. So so it's an ongoing uh, development process. So so in 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 basic university you probably wouldn't put so much time on that kind of applied work but you you would need to have a very strict research setup without without too much hassle that's that's <laughs> like part of the normal healthcare work and and of course the grants we are applying I'm be applying like basic research and applied research grants but also this kind of development grants with companies and in university of, of applied sciences that's form uh, those grants form a much lar- larger share of the total budget than in the in the basic research university uh, so so i've actually been pr- pretty fascinated about the uh, about the kind of possibilities in in this implementation and development field uh, we we apply the academic rules and the academic academic like traditions but then we try to do the things with much more practical way and we try to implement the results as soon as possible like testing them in practice also without very strict and, and complicated research setups yeah that's that's quite interesting and you you have you have got funding from ministry of education and culture and academy of finland which are competitive grants and they are quite basic research i don't know if there's many researchers from applied universities that are actually getting these grants and basic kind of for quite basic research so how, how do you see this one is is there many other researchers actually applying even for those from applied universities and not so many i think uh traditionally people are also a bit afraid uh, of these grants because they are so competitive and and so few people get these grants so many don't even try to apply but it's it's also about the culture in University of Applied Sciences, many people think that okay, we we are out of this game. But but in in my lab, we try to combine the best parts of the academic world and the applied world. And I think my main advantage in these grant applications has been the practical point of view and the implementation point of view. Uh, I try to think about that very carefully in these applications. I think when doing my PhD, I was applying funding only my own ideas in my mind, without having too much discussions with with uh, 
people from healthcare or or people who really would implement the the things but but now in this current position i'm having a lot of discussion with other people who are who are actually using the data or the results or who would benefit from the from the research and i think that's the main main difference in 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 my previous position and the main advantage i had i have had this podcast is sponsored by Fibion. Uh, my name is Dr. Paul Batman, and I'd like to just say a few words about Fibion. Um, I've used it a number of times on different projects that I've been involved in and find that it's incredibly reliable, very valid, and incredibly sturdy. I, I love the graphics that come with it. It really is very clear and can easily see the active and inactive periods as well. So I'd certainly recommend Fibion to anyone that's interested in finding out more about sedentary behaviour, particularly the concept of sitting and how we can possibly break it up with some really good, valid information. Fibion, from researchers to researchers. So would you actually recommend more researchers to do the same way that maybe be in the applied university, maybe have a collaboration, more network to to industry, to healthcare, and kind of make the make the research projects that they are they are good quality research, but can be put into practice really fast, and actually that industry can also also benefit. Would that be your tip for some other researchers? Yeah, kind of collaboration and and wide collaboration network is is very important. Uh, but I think before that, even more important thing is that you approach your your uh, research question very widely and and with, with a very wide perspective. Uh, it's very important for yourself that you you recognize the importance of your work, and many times we don't do that. Uh, I think one. One example is that, or, or you can you can see that in in what people write in the conclusions of their papers. As a basic researchers, we are very very careful in in what we write in these conclusions. But but I have been trying to be much more uh, have much more courage to to suggest things, kind of kind of implement the data or 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 tell what, what I think or or what I think would be the best action action points that arise from this data. But many times we just end our paper that more research is needed. Well that's that might be true but but also you are accountable for people and, and you are using using public funding to do these research setups and, and if if you cannot do those conclusions or or if you cannot suggest like practical things what we should be doing next then nobody can and and it means that they won't grant you another 500,000 euros to do the same thing if you if if you cannot implement the the data that that you have collected so so having Maybe when applying the grant, you can have your your first or or the main paper conclusion in your mind. What will you write there? What will you suggest based on this data? 
of course, I understand. If you if you run a randomized controlled trial, of course, you have the primary research question and and you have the power calculation or sample size calculations for that. And and you cannot do whatever with the data. You really need to stick with the plan. But there are many many cases where you you should be able to to interpret the data and and suggest things based on the data you have collected not not only end up in saying that okay more research is needed how how do you come up with your research ideas to your project like do you have a, some kind of systemic method how you approach the planning of a research project or does it does it happen in a way that you don't really know how you came up with the idea and how did this this form in your back of your mind it's it's a very important point and I'm sorry to say that I don't have a systematic way of thinking about the research ideas, but I think the main thing here is to keep up with the literature, know the big picture, where the field is going. But also you need to think about the big problems. I think I think one one obstacle in, in grant writing is that you have so focused research question that it is an excuse for you to escape the large problems in the society. And it's 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 a challenge because you, you only have the limited grants and, and you have you need to be very strict that you have enough sample size and, and very, very focused research questions. But on the other hand, you shouldn't escape the large problems in the society. You you should do your part and do your best to to answer these these problems. And I think that's that's kind of the. I I try to think about the the real real challenges, and and what is really needed in the society. And many times we we are so so uh, deep in our own own specific field that we might forget what's going on out there. And coming up. From the deepness of your own own specific field, getting a little bit broader view can sometimes give you very good ideas. And one thing I have got very very fascin- fascinated about many times we write in the discussion or introduction that we we try to give data and and knowledge to support political decision making, but that's not reality. Uh, we don't. Well, the political decision makers very rarely <laughs> can comprehend or or digest so much research data we are we are giving them. But uh, there are some specific things for what we can provide data and and um, so so. I'm very interested in in doing research that would really support political decision making. And now, now I'm very happy that I got a grant to study the effects of of free fair public transport on on children's physical activity, because because in Mikkeli, where our lab is, uh, the city of Mikkeli has provided this free fair ticket for all all primary school children, and there has been a lot of debate around this topic. And there's no research data, only only word against word. 
And now we got a very good grant to do research on this, and we have the first results ready. And 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 the political decision makers have been very happy about this. They have been contacting me a lot to get the get the results. And and now they will start discussion dis, discussions about about uh, broadening this to to secondary school stu- students. And now we really have the data what's going on there, and they are very happy. And we have both qualitative and quant- quantitative data, and the qualitative data is actually very very beneficial in this case. We 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 know what children themselves think about this this thing and also what the parents are thinking so this is one case but this is something which which fascinates me a lot i i would like to learn more about this implementation science and and uh, how to solve real world problems with research mm. yeah i i think that's a really good example that grant that you got like that it's it's a very practical idea does children move more when they have a free bus tickets or do they actually move less so it's it's a very practical and gives directly like data for the political decision making uh, how was the process with this like i think probably many not many applications from ministry of education and culture were this practical how how was the process when you got this idea idea that did you think that is this too simple or how 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 was the process if you still remember applying for this grant yeah i was actually uh participating painting in a congress uh like a finnish finnish uh physical activity society congress where there was there was discussion about children's daily physical activity i don't exactly remember the the uh, talk that i was when when i got the idea but but anyway one point there was that we have very little data or or experience about the effects of political decision making on on children's physical activity you have interventions at the individual level at the school level many many at the school level or family level we know something about the environment those are mo- mostly observational but we know very little about this political decision making and at the same time i got an email it was maybe indirectly linked to this mikkeli free bus experiment and then somehow the monkey in my head <laughs> started started to to realize what to do and and i got this idea and i had maybe only only one month to the deadline then i sent sent a message to my boss that what do you think should i apply and she replied right away that for sure this is a very good idea and then i started to go through the literature and actually before that i i tried to find the best collaborators for this i i tr- thought about the methods that i would use and then i i called to to a couple of collaborators who who had been using these methods and they were in right away and that's that's about how it went then we just uh decided who will write and and what and and that was pretty much pretty much it of course i needed to contact the city representatives 
for the whether we will be able to collect data and what they think about this idea and so on. So, but it was pretty fast, actually, from the idea to the actual proposal. Yeah, no, that's that's very interesting, and and I think this your other project, Optimus. You the name is a randomized control trial to influence sustained glycemic control by reducing muscle inactivity time in middle-aged and older office workers with type 2 diabetes. So in a way that you have RCT set up, you are measuring glycemic control and there's muscle activity, but then it's type 2 diabetes people in the office. So it's kind of combining really the the basic research, but also giving like really practical tips that if you have type 2 diabetes this will help so what what could you share about this this project yeah this project got started in i was visiting baker heart and diabetes institute in melbourne a couple of years ago and and we have been doing some collaboration with david dunstan neville owen and genevieve healy and well my my main advantage is, is like the EMG technology I've been using. And, and I've been trying to apply that to the field of muscle uh, or sedentary behavior. And, and of course, we need to again thank for Taya Finni, who has kind of invented this, this methodology together with MyonTech technology. But, but the idea got started there. Baker Heart and Diabetes Institute, they are running very high quality RCTs. And, and they have recognized that that type 2 diabetic people are the ones who have the potential to benefit from breaking up sitting maybe even more as compared to those with with good glycemic control and so that's a target group which has the potential to benefit and then we have the emg technology which can capture even the small movements and the main kind of catch or or the novelty in this project is is that we will give these people a portable pedal pedal machine and the point kind of the advertisement or the point for this proposal that was that could you reduce the risks of sitting while sitting down so activating your muscles while sitting so so as an intervention it's very simple but as an idea it's something new Usually the intervention requires you to stand up or, or move around, away from your desk, which is not very feasible with your work. Well, it, it can be very feasible, but, but we will like to test this idea that what if you could reduce the risks while sitting? So I think that's... And then we have technology that can capture this during sitting. Accelerometers have some, some challenges in capturing movements during sitting. Uh, but with the EMG, we can we can really capture the small movements, and that that was kind of the scientific novelty. Of course, we have a large trial with a lot of people and and good target group and and outcomes and and things like that, and and the best collaborators ever because uh, David Dunstan and Neville Owen and Chin Healy have helped a lot, and I have got a lot of material and ideas from them, so couldn't have managed without them. Thanks for joining us this week on Physical Activity Researcher Podcast. If you like the show, 
make sure you never miss an episode by subscribing or following the show on Twitter. This podcast is made possible by listeners like you. Thank you for your support. If you found value in the show, we would really appreciate a rating on Apple Podcasts or whichever app you use. Or if you would, in a real old school way, simply tell a friend about the show. It would be a great help for us. We have a fantastic lineup of guests for forthcoming episodes, so be sure to tune in. Thank you all for your support and have a great day.